Hey, you're listening to Orla's Happy Hormones podcast, talking all things female health and wellness. I'm Orla O'Flaherty, a certified naturopath and herbalist, and I'm here to talk about everything from periods, PCOS, endometriosis, health, sex, wellness, and life in general. Here's to happy hormones and a happy you. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Orla's Happy Hormones podcast. And we're up to episode 34. So this week I am going back to the science, like I did last week, I suppose. We're try- I'm trying to keep a bit of a balance going for everybody. So this week I wanted to talk a bit about PCOS because I realised that we are up to episode 34 and I haven't actually fully touched on it. And when it comes to PCOS, it's um, it's a very complex condition. And it's very different for every woman. And there are different causes and there's different types. So this week I am going to dive into kind of the, the three different types of PCOS. And for anyone out there listening who doesn't know what PCOS is or has never heard of it, um, PCOS is it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. So it's it's not just one thing. It's more like an overall heading for a whole set of symptoms with the primary symptom really being failure to ovulate. But even in saying that, it's not actually the case for all women with PCOS. There are lots of women out there who have PCOS who do ovulate, but then they have the second biggest symptom, which would be the pearl necklace around the ovaries. So the pearl necklace around the ovaries basically is a bunch of fluid-filled sacs that are attached to the ovaries. And what this is, is the follicle hasn't been matured, hasn't been matured enough to be released when the luteinizing hormone comes in. And they're left on the ovary then. So what's happening is over each ovulation, you're getting these follicles that aren't being matured and they're not, they're not able to be released. So they're sticking to the ovary. So that's your, your polycystic ovaries. But when it comes to PCOS, it, it really, really is not a one-size-fits-all condition. And that's why many women go undiagnosed for so long. So physiologically, what's going on with the body? So when you don't ovulate for a few menstrual cycles, you become quite deficient actually in estradiol, which is a form of estrogen, and also progesterone. And then this is why then you'll end up having high testosterone levels, causing the quote-unquote standard PCOS symptoms. So the likes of the acne around the jawline and facial hair and hair loss and then fertility problems. But again, all symptoms are individualized to the person, like I always say. It's not one size fits all and... That's really because everybody's body is different. I'm sure you're sick of hearing me saying everybody's body is different and we all work differently, but it is true. We all have different chemical messengers. We all have different mechanisms and we all react differently to external, internal and environmental stresses. And like when it comes to hormones, we're really looking at a number of different factors. You're looking at the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. 
like how are these functioning then also the ovaries and the adrenal glands and then one that a lot of people forget about the thyroid and like I said everything from ex the external world and our circumstances and our internal makeup as well as what we're putting into our bodies it all has an effect on the chemical signals that are firing through the body and we seem to forget as well that everything's connected within the body so the hypothalamus the pituitary the adrenals the ovaries the thyroid these are all glands that secrete hormones which are chemical messengers that flow throughout the body to regulate the body regulate the body they're there for homeostasis and in our modern world for some reason we've seem to have forgotten that all these chemical messengers are linked all these glands are linked and if one chemical messenger has gone rogue imagine one one of your friends on a night out heading off going walk about without telling anybody where it's gone all of a sudden you can't find her you're thinking she's gone off doing something crazy you all split up and go running around looking for her and trying to bring her back but you can't communicate with each other imagine your phones have gone dead so now you can't communicate with each other this is like what's happening internally inside the body when one of your glands is off if your thyroid isn't functioning properly if your hypothalamus isn't functioning properly the signal has been lost and then the hormones your friend which has run off in fairyland and jumping on unicorns has gone into not so much uncharted territory but they're not sending out the right signals they're not getting to where they're meant to be or they're not where they are meant to be they've gone off somewhere else so it's realizing that for proper hormone function we really need to look at all of the glands and all of the body as a whole and I think that's why we call it holistic medicine because we are looking at the entire body as a whole we need to look at every gland and every function and see if there is a domino effect if something's been knocked off or if one of our friends is gone walk about somewhere and then we're looking at finding a way of getting in contact with that friend and bringing them back to where they're meant to be and back into a safe balanced place which we all know on a night out can be hard so imagine what it's like for the the endocrine system so I've gone off on a tangent as I always do but what are the three types of PCOS so there's your most common form of PCOS which is your insulin resistance PCOS then there is the most second common form of PCOS post pill PCOS but this is only a relatively new concept and there's still a lot of research being done into it well actually no there's not a lot we need a lot of research being to be done into it or to be looked into it but because it's relatively new it's everything's still in the pipeline and then inflammatory PCOS and then there's other cofactors as well that we have to look at like I said remember all the glands working together so your group of friends you're all working together but the first one the most common one is the insulin resistance 
PCOS. And yes, PCOS does affect the ovaries. Obviously, this is where we're seeing the problems. It's where we're seeing the polycystic ovaries and non-ovulatory cycles and things like that. But it's actually a it's a full body endocrine and metabolic disorder that's closely linked to insulin. So insulin is a hormone made by the pancreas. So the likes of looking at all the different types of foods that you eat and how they're broken down. But basically the food that you eat is broken down into simple sugars, also known as glucose. And this is happening during digestion. Now, glucose is is absorbed into the blood after you eat. And then insulin's role then is to help glucose enter the cells of the body to be used as energy. Now, if there's not enough insulin in the body or if the body can't use the insulin, sugar levels in the blood become much higher. But if your body is resistant to insulin, it means you need high levels of insulin to keep your your blood sugars normal. Now, in women with PCOS, high insulin levels can cause the ovaries to make an excess of androgens. So the likes of your male hormones like testosterone. And it's testosterone then that's causing the likes of your facial hair, acne, hair loss, irregular periods or lack of periods. Now, there's lots of different methodology around treatment for PCOS, but the conventional method of treating, well, of treating the insulin resistance PCOS is usually weight loss, aerobic exercises and metformin, which is a diabetic drug um, used, it improves insulin sensitivity. Now, more research has been done on the benefits of weight training also to improve insulin sensitivity, and this is due to how the body utilizes glycogen for recovery and and muscle growth post-workout. So conventional treatments are starting to look more at the likes of weight training and diet as well, because weight loss, we're looking with insulin resistance, you are looking at a lot of people being overweight with insulin resistance. Now, with insulin resistance PCOS, there is a split. You can have overweight insulin resistance, but you can also have lean insulin resistance. The lean insulin resistance are usually people who have had either a an eating disorder or a metabolic um, disorder, not disorder, but... Uh, metabolic functioning due to thyroid or something like that but in 70 to 85 percent of cases of insulin resistance PCOS you are looking at the the overweight insulin resistance so looking at your diet and looking at weight training and weight loss and fat loss and getting the body to to work in a normal functioning way as in how it's utilizing the the glycose from the from foods and things like that but then there are other like the other treatment then is usually the pill or other hormone hormonal contraceptives but unfortunately the likes of the pill and hormonal contraceptives they don't fix the underlying problem they're they're only masking the problem by inhibiting hormone production and function and the thing is then when you come off the pill the problem isn't going to be fixed it's it's going to come back and you're going to have all the same symptoms again 
you're going to be going back to having non-ovulatory cycles, the hirsutism, acne, hair loss, whatever the symptoms were before going on the pill, they're going to come back. So it's what I see a lot with women now at the moment who are coming into the clinic is they were put on the pill when they were about 18 or 19, if they were diagnosed with PCOS, sometimes younger, and now they've come off the pill because they want to start having kids but all their old symptoms have returned so unfortunately the problem was never fixed it was just masked so now they have to go and look at trying to fix the problem so that they can get a regular menstrual cycle back in hopes of conception so if you have been told to go on the pill to fix the problems do a little bit of reading and do a little bit of research and see what it is that's that's going to sit well with you. Are, are you if you're happy to go on the pill and get rid of the symptoms, then by all means go for it. You know, if any, anything that's going to ease PCOS symptoms because they are intense, like the, the severe periods. When you do get a period, the severe periods that come with it, then the lack of periods, then because you're looking at like muscle atrophy you're also looking at weight gain weak bones all that so I, I do understand but if you are looking to want to have children down the line maybe just question it and see what other routes there are available because like there are natural routes I'm not saying that it can completely cure PCOS but there are natural treatments that can support the person because like I said we're looking at the whole body like changing your diet can have huge benefits when it comes to insulin resistance, PCOS. Like eating, yeah, eating fewer starches and sugars. Now, when I say sugars, like primarily processed fructose. And when I say fructose, it, because this is something that's out there at the moment, is that people have stopped eating fruit because of the fructose. Small amounts of fructose are needed for the body. But these small amounts that you're getting from sugar, or sorry, not sugar, from fruits, these are needed. I'm talking about the high processed fructose that you're getting from the likes of corn syrup and that they're found in desserts and soft drinks and things like that. Those high levels of fructose are so inflammatory causing that they're also having a negative effect on the likes of the, the lining of the gut. As well as your pancreas and your the way your insulin has been released. So you do need to be mindful of that. So if you're someone who drinks a lot of fizzy drinks, even if you're drinking the the diet drinks with the aspartame and everything and the, the alternative sweeteners, they're still having an effect when it comes to inflammation on the system. So looking at just reducing them out and reducing out your sweet stuff and then your trans fatty acids also, like your your deep fried fruit and food and your takeaways and things like that. But then increasing fiber rich foods. Like low glycemic low glycemic foods don't raise your blood sugars or your insulin levels as much as foods that are high in sugar and refined carbs. Eating good quality proteins, healthy fats and non-starchy carbs. So the likes of, like when I say non-starchy carbs, vegetables. Vegetables are a carb. People seem to forget that. But vegetables like carrots, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, asparagus, beetroot, squash, pumpkins. Like there's so many out there. And they're all rich in fibre. And the fibre is also going to latch onto excess hormones and excrete them from the body. And your veggies, they're rich in different vitamins, minerals. So the likes of your zinc and your magnesium, 
which are essential for ovulatory function and they're going to help with overall health as well as the immune system and as well as looking at healing the gut. Once the gut is healed, it tends to have a positive domino effect on the body, between the body, the mind, and then the endocrine system also. So looking at what it is that you can do yourself, so reducing out those high inflammatory foods, increasing fiber-rich foods, which are going to, like I said, latch onto those excess hormones, foods rich in zinc, magnesium, exercising, weight training. I myself love weight training. And I would advocate for everybody who suffers with insulin resistance or PCOS to go out and see if it's something that you enjoy. If it is, it will have a lot of benefits to your entire lifestyle and to your entire life. So yeah, looking at what you can do. So that's your insulin resistance PCOS. The next one then is the post-pill PCOS. Now I touched on this briefly last week. So like I said earlier, it's a fairly recent theory among scientists and practitioners alike, but some specialists, some specialists say it's invalid. Other specialists say this is something we really need to look into. So it's split across the field or split across the board at the moment. A hell of a lot more research needs to go into it. But the theory behind it, when you think about it logically, it does make sense. But the pill and other hormonal contraceptives work by suppressing ovulation. So they're suppressing the body's natural estrogen and progesterone production. What happens then when you're when you come off the pill? Now, for most women, it's a temporary effect and ovulation will resume. Will resume and like it, it should resume pretty quickly after stopping taking the pill. But for some women, ovulation suppression can continue for months and sometimes years. But this is because the the hypothalamus and the pituitary have been interfered with for so long however long you were on the pill and going back to everybody's body is different again different people react differently to different substances so supplementing the body with synthetic hormones for one person isn't going to have any sort of negative effect but for another person can and that ovulation suppression can continue after you've come off the pill because the hypothalamus and the pituitary, also the adrenals, have been suppressed for so long. And now they're playing catch up and they need to figure out, right, where where are we meant to be going? How do we fire here? How am I going to send these messages out? They're getting confused and mixed up and they, they're not working at their optimal level. So if you are so if you are someone who was on the pill and came off it and then you lost your periods or your periods never came back because you didn't start ovulating again, what you need to do here is look at your cycles before going on the pill. And like I said, I did touch on this in last week's episode. But like, did you have a regular menstrual cycle before going on the pill? Have you had blood tests done on your estrogen, your progesterone, your follicle-stimulating hormone, and your luteinizing hormone? Knowing what your hormones are doing is so important to know how to move forward. You need to be able to have a plan in place. But like I said, because this is a relatively new concept, 
there is no conventional treatment other than the same treatment as insulin resistance PCOS because a lot of the times when people will go to the doctor they haven't their periods haven't started back they'll be put under the heading of you have PCOS whereas in fact it could be a hypothalamic reason or a pituitary reason so a lot of women can be put on the same treatment protocol as the insulin resistant PCOS and usually that's if your testosterone markers are showing up if they're higher than normal now if they're not it can just be a lot a lot of doctors will just class it off as post amenorrhea which again I talked about on last week's episode but again it's the same process it's the the suppression of ovulation which has continued and it's they're not looking at ways for stimulating hypothalamic pituitary and ovulatory functions but what you can do yourself again is looking at the diet foods that are rich in zinc and magnesium and to be honest even possibly some supplementing them in as well because proper ovulatory function really requires zinc and magnesium and these two minerals are can be stripped from the body very easily and then there's there's herbs like peony vitex and licorice combined together work on the pituitary and ovary axis but in saying this and i always say it when it comes to herbs you have to be mindful if your luteinizing hormone is raised vitex will actually aggravate symptoms because it stimulates luteinizing hormone so always check with your healthcare practitioner first if you can take herbs but also get your blood tests done find out what your estrogen progesterone fsh and lh are before you start messing around with herbs if your luteinizing hormone is low then yes possibly peony vitex and licorice together are going to stimulate proper ovulatory function and it's not going to exasperate problems that are there but do check everything out first and then again looking at diet looking at nourishing the body with whole foods that are rich in vitamins and minerals that are needed for hormone production and not cutting any sort of diets diets sorry not cutting any specific foods out unless you have something there to counterbalance what you're going to be lacking in that so i always say a whole a whole balanced diet good quality protein good quality healthy fats good quality carbohydrates but again if there's an insulin resistance element there be mindful of the heavy starchy carbs you can avoid them carrots are a non-starchy carb we're irish we love carrots but just getting creative with your diet and again looking back at what were your cycles like before you were put on the pill now I'm not talking about what was your period like was it really bad was it really heavy I'm talking about the regularity of your cycles knowing what they were like and then this brings me on to inflammatory PCOS now inflammation is one of the biggest problems for PCOS because it impedes ovulation and it it disrupts hormone receptors and it stimulates adrenal androgens so the androgens are the male hormones and as well as actually causing intestinal permeability so we see a lot of inflammatory PCOS with people who have pre-existing autoimmune conditions so the likes of rheumatoid arthritis psoriasis thyroid conditions like Hashimoto's or Graves disease people who have chronic immune activation really and triggers are usually from prolonged periods of stress leaky gut environmental toxins 
and also a high consumption of inflammatory foods like gluten, sugar and casein. But again, because inflammatory PCOS is a secondary condition, probably due to immune factors, treatment is usually looking at, in the holistic world, treatment is always looking at healing the gut, healing that gut wall and reducing stress. When it comes to autoimmune conditions, the first protocol is always, always, always the gut. So the likes of probiotics, again, zinc and magnesium as well. And then high doses of antioxidants to counteract oxidative stress. Also reducing your exposure to environmental toxins, so like herbicides, pesticides, other endocrine disruptors like plastics and antiperspirants. And also removing inflammatory causing foods from the diet, mainly sugar and high fructose consumption. Inflammation is the leading cause of autoimmune, of endocrine disorders and gynecological disorders due to disruption in the hypothalamus and the pituitary and the adrenals. But inflammation is caused from so many different things. It's not just what we're consuming, but it's also the likes of stress. Stress is massive when it comes to inflammation in the body. So looking at a holistic outlook on life, you will notice differences. If you can lower your stress levels and consume a diet rich in whole fruits and veggies that are as organic as you can possibly get, as much organic as you can possibly get, you will see a difference. But then there can be other factors also, like I said earlier, like your thyroid function. Your ovaries need proper T3 for adequate function. Then there may be an iodine deficiency. Again, it's required for ovaries to function normally. But when it comes to iodine supplementation, don't go supplementing iodine yourself. It's it's not worth the risk. Please go and see somebody. And I won't be looking at supp- supplementing. I'd be looking at getting it through your foods. So the likes of your sea veggies, things like that. But again, before you do that, get bloods done because you need to make sure that your thyroid levels are normal before you go messing with the likes of iodine but then even things like as simple as a zinc and a b6 deficiency zinc is so important for auditory function i don't think it's it's mentioned enough but what i would always suggest is looking at your lifestyle like i said your diet exercise sleep and stress if you don't feel like you're running optimally go to your doctor get a full blood work done and go from there once you know what's going on in you're no longer shooting in the dark, then you can put a plan in place. You can't fix something if you're just guesstimating. You need to know exactly what's going on. And I know sometimes it can be disheartening going to the doctor and getting bloods and it comes back normal, but there's still something not right. Ask for a copy of your results and and read them and see, oh, is something slightly off? Something as simple and as little as one thing being a tiny bit low or a tiny bit high can have an effect on the body and then like I said looking at your overall lifestyle what's your sleep like what's your diet like what's your exercise like are these things that you can change yes we we all have the power to change our diets we all have the power to go exercise we all have the power to put practices practices in place to reduce our stress 
these are things that are in our control. And if you have the control to do it, why not do it? So those are the three leading factors when it comes to PCOS. So your insulin resistant PCOS, your post pill PCOS, and your inflammatory PCOS. Like I said earlier, PCOS is really a complex condition. It's very different for every person. But looking at your own signs and symptoms and going and speaking to your doctor or your healthcare practitioner. But like I said, I'll always suggest go get your bloods done. Don't be shooting in the dark. Don't be guesstimating. Know what's wrong. Put a plan in place. And go forward from there. So I hope this episode has helped if you've any questions please feel free to send them on to me but for now happy weekend and happy hormones <laughs>